Old Doslem looking ass <laughs> off the of Street Fighters, nigga. <laughs> this motherfucker got got a Popeye helmet, looking looking calf muscles, nigga. You guys, you got you got got a spider necklace on. He said a spider. Ne- Listen here, man. You look like somebody took a action figure of Bob Marley and stretched him out, and he became very tall and skinny <laughs> and dark skinned for some reason. <laughs> This nigga look like he been in Mecca for 12 years. <laughs> Listen here. The llamas go over there. That's all I got to say to you. They don't belong uh, inside. <laughs> oh, square dance back habit, motherfucker. 12 sandwich habit. Is is that fish food or is that your oh, cannabis, man. This sir? Is that, that bunk ass? No. It's that it's that two for two. What you get? What you get? That, when you came out that, here. That's how I one. know this nigga strange. He got he got his his trees in a vitamin case. <laughs> <laughs> this nigga is a suspect, and uh, by all means, it stays in the car, yo. It stays in the car, man. It says Coastal Sun Fish it, Food. It <laughs> it's got fish food. Something like that. Decoy. It, that's some real shit. In the car, man. I mean, back in the, the car, day, man. I had a WD forty can that you could open at the bottom, but I mean, I would have never thought to put it in a fish food container. That's very. They think they ain't got some everything now, nah, man. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what they got right now, man. I think the weed is, is horrible right now, me personally. What yeah, I mean, especially oh whatever God. that is you're breaking up. <laughs> that shit looked like it. His middle name I'm is talking Dry. About, I'm talking about in California, period. Goddamn, I, I need to find a new. Drought season. I need to see what you looking for a reason. You know, it looks similar to like Thanksgiving it without the, same over there, buddy. the drought season. You got it from a special shop. <sighs> Why you ain't? Oh, you should. Uh, Washington State. <laughs> Oh, you should have did. You should have. But I don't you know why you're kidding. I always do. You know the cat from the baby was rapping do. on the phone? Hey, what was the <laughs> That was name, the most man? ambiguous shit ever. Everybody know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Except for yo limelight looking ass. It's like a pillow with two stretch marks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Listen here. Listen here. Why it take you this long to roll some trees up? Man, it's good. I've been rolling during the interview, man. I'm, sure trying to, I'm trying to help you out. I'm going to see if uh, that's pretty dope, though. So what's going on with the homeless in Cajon, man? You want to touch on that, too? That yeah, I mean, we could do that. Huh? I mean, we could do that. I mean, I, I mean, I don't got no, like, historical facts on it. I mean, anything, I just, But I can I was, just give you my point of view. I've heard and seen this way more fuckers. Bates is that area is all total fuck up where I used to stay at. Well, not where I used to stay at, but with the where mm, Bates you got is. dental floss in here. I don't know what that is. That's man. dental floss. How you got dental floss as a bookmark? Look what type of notebook it is, man. It got line, it got things in it, stitching. Mm-mm. See what I'm saying? Black people. Right. This is what they do. I, I should have brought my whole stack of. I found all my notebooks from school, man. From, uh, as from, you digress, from you still haven't rolled this up. Yeah. About to bite you. Like a real sour lemon looking there. Not a drop. <laughs> you look like a motherfucking <laughs> flaming hot Cheeto. <laughs> Everything about you look like a flaming hot Cheeto. Everything's hot, honey. No, it ain't hot. It's it's long and and and, and <laughs> doesn't look right. It looks very. It's got a lot of bumps. <laughs> Oh my God! Where he go, this, my guy got crazy questions on here. He was like, "Tell me why your kneecaps are ashy." He really <laughs> has that written down. It's crazy. Yeah, but I found all my notebooks, man, from from Bates, man. It's just insane looking through that shit, man. Well, okay, so why don't we? Why don't we? Since we, since you're very preoccupied with that, why don't we? Why don't we? Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Is this thing on? Yeah. It is. All right. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. What made you stop drinking? Because you know, my whole life. That I've known you, you've been drinking, man, and um, and I mean every time. And then last time I was down here, we was drinking, and then when I talked to you not too long ago, you was like, "Hey, hey, I'm, I ain't drank for a long this amount of time, which is a significant amount of time." So, you know, help me understand what like what happened. You got touched by God, you know. You saw the signs, um, you know, it was too expensive. What happened? 
Man, I, it's too expensive Washington State to fucking drink. I know that goddamn much. Oh, ten dollar tax ass state. He said tax ass state. Plus, plus the motherfucking, <laughs> plus the bill. Nah, man, man, it got bad, yo. It got real bad, man. It 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 was to a point, man, where I was I was drinking by myself, three fifths in one week. In I was drinking brandy, NJ. That Arkin jerk. That shit is nasty man. too. Bro, it was bad, man. I was drinking that, man. I wasn't eating. I was losing weight. And then, wasn't nothing good going to come out of that, man. You know what I'm saying? Wasn't I mean, nothing... not to be funny, but what you mean losing weight? You always been this size. Yeah, but it was getting worse, though. Oh, okay. man. I wasn't eating, man. You know what I'm saying? My stomach was all fucked up. And uh, and let, like I said, nothing good was going to come out of that, man. You know, I got I got shit I got to do, man. And, you know, uh, I got this. Well, like I, I, it's been a year and a half since I stopped drinking. Wow. But Hold on, man. Let's just. You know, that's dope, man. Uh, just, just, you know, hold, pause for that real quick. Really, though, you know? So if you've been doing, drinking your whole life and you've been sober for a year and a half, that's a big deal. So, I, I appreciate yeah, that, so man. I'll, Thank I'll, you, man. Lift that real quick. I, Go ahead, man. I appreciate that, man. Um, but I got a DUI in 2017. Mm, and that'll just, do it. Let's just be thankful. That's all I walked away with, man, because I was an asshole to these motherfuckers. Man, I'm flipping them off, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Even though they was dicks trying to confuse mm. me mm. in the situation, mm. but... You know, it took me a long time to blame myself for that shit. You know, I blame a whole bunch of other motherfuckers, but self accountability. Yeah, man. Um, it just uh, it just got bad, so I just had to make a decision. You know, mm. wasn't nothing going come up, wasn't nothing good come out of it, so I had to figure it out, either stop that or keep going down the road I'm going. So, yeah, it was bad, yo. Yeah. But I miss it, but I don't miss it. Um, but yeah, I don't see myself having to drink for a minute. Wow. Uh, I had a friend, you know, he stopped drinking for like five years, and he started back, but mm. um, I don't know, man. I just, yeah, right now, I don't see myself drinking no time soon. Yeah. Well, that's powerful, man. It's, it's dope that you shared that with us, because the reality is a lot of people don't have the strength to do that, or they haven't found that strength within themselves to, you know, realize what a healthy boundary is between whatever it is that they choose to, you know, harm their, harm themselves with. Um, you know, and there's, you know, so that's dope, you know, that you was, took that initiative and that you rocked with it, you know, it takes a lot of self-discipline, determination, was, and self-awareness, man. That shit was crazy. Then I got sick one night, nigga. I got real sick, nigga. I started throwing up. I told myself, man, I said, man, if I get, let me, please let me get better. I, I, I won't have another drink. Mm. And I ain't touched the drink. That was January 18th of last year. Ooh, wait. Yeah. My guy. My guy, that's powerful, man. Cause I, you know, I got a DUI and I just kept drinking. You know what I mean? I did too. I did yeah. too. You know, I, I was worse. What really what hit me was the, um, was COVID though. Oh. COVID made COVID made it even worse. Cause shit. Whew. Yeah. COVID was bad, yo. Cause I had lost everything. Damn. Nigga, everything. I had to move back in with my old man and shit. Just trying to figure out what was gonna be the next step. Nigga, I don't ever want to feel that feeling again, nigga. So, yeah, man, it was it was crazy, man. But. You know, like yeah, everybody got their own story, man. I ain't trying to brush nothing on. That's just my my experience, you know. And I'm willing to share it with anybody. But yeah, just I had to make that. I had to make that choice, pretty much. Yeah, man. Well, that's you know that's powerful, bro. So I you know, thank you for sharing that for real. Hell yeah, man. Blunt Force Podcast Radio. It's a hot sunny day in the state of California. Hey, hey. Trying to help me down, stop me out because I speak the truth and never dumb it down. But I'm coming now, you see me coming now. Watch me seep out through the speakers as I rush the crowd. Hit the beach and the honey's looking lovely brown. Skin tight fits with the cleavage all busting out. Nice switch, nice switch, priceless. Why is this the summer? Y'all think it coming round. Shouts out to BC for music underground. You showed me love when they was trying to hold a hustle down. Goes around, comes around. It's northwest to the death, but you can find me out in Southern Cal. LA, LA, Riverside, Riverside, Long Beach, Long Beach, West Ride, West Ride, all day, all day, all night, all night. Southern Cal, Southern Cal, West Coast, West Coast, LA, LA, Riverside, Riverside, Long Beach, Long Beach.
This is crazy because this shit is time, long man. overdue. It's about time, man. You know what I'm saying? This is this is this is this is, a, this is family, man. I'm still nervous, like I told you earlier, man. But man, Blunt Force Podcast Radio, man. In the we building. got goddamn caution in the goddamn building. Finally, man. What hey, man, Blunt Force Podcast, man. Your music is all over the place, man. What's going on, man? Great to see you, man. Great to see you, man. Man, it's good to see you. It's good to see you, man. You got his feet all out in the open. This you know guy, you're feeling good, man. This guy, it's Cali. You know what I mean? It's hot out here. Hell yeah, man. It's good, man. It's great to see you, man. So, see it, man. How you enjoying the sun out here, man? I know I know the sun's good for your soul. Most definitely, most definitely. I love the sun. SoCal Second Fam. I mean, I used to live out here, so it's always it's always great to come back. Man, so how long how long, how long you been rapping and and how how did rapping actually start for you? Or how did it begin, I would say? I think for me, man, you know, just Growing up in my era, um, it's early 90s, you know, I'm a teen. And, uh, you know, we used to get on each other, just talk shit, bag, rank, whatever you want to call it. And we go in, go in. And, and I used to do that freestyle, and, you know, just, just with the homies just fucking around. And then, um, and then, you know, shortly after that, in my early teens, I ended up getting incarcerated. And when I get incarcerated, I write. I write my first rap. And then when I get sent up to the little juvenile insta, the little prison, uh, ugly ass nigga from 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 the next city over was like he was big too and he had been in there for a long time so he was scary you know what i mean he he heard me rapping that shit to my cousin and he ran up on me he was like hey dog on the nation dog on the nation dog that was that was filthy and i was from a different city and back then we didn't we didn't know what that meant so i thought he was saying my shit was garbage i was like oh this motherfucker right here it's gonna be a problem and then the whole rest of the day, he started taking me around to all these older cats and these homies that, that he knew was from the next city over and was like, hey, little nigga, rap that shit again. And so that's for me is how rapping really kind of started because up to that day, it was bullshit. I was just playing around with it. But then after this dude had, you know, really, really thought it was something because he kept trying to have me spit it over and over again to different cats, you know what I mean? And so yeah. then it was like, damn, there must be something here. And so, you know, I continued to write throughout my whole time of being incarcerated, you know, recording bullshit uh, any way we could to get it to get it laid down. And then I would I would put it on little cassette tapes, and my brother would come up to visits, and I would get out to give him the cassette tapes, and he would take them to, back to the homies, back yeah. to the hood. And, you know, they'd be bumping that shit, and I'm still locked down. You know, so it, that's how the the music started for me. And what year was that? That would have been uh, 1994. Now here's a story I heard, and I, I I listened to the tape. You made a tape in jail, in your room, in the cell, in Correct. the cell. Correct. In '93, '92, probably. Now everybody talking about um, who's the dude from the Bay Area that um, that's known for making the, the rapping. Uh, he was in jail. Um, was well, the dude from the Bay Area, man? They did it in like the late '90s, early 2000s, and I always thought in my head, motherfuckers was doing that shit in '92, '93, and I got evidence of that shit, man. Oh, you still you so silly. How in the hell did you even pull that one off? Uh, you know, it's 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 called the workaround. You know, when you when you when you ain't got something, you find a way. You know, and when you locked up with a lot of other cats, that's locked up and they young, um, they gonna find ways to do things. You know, and so you know they allowed us to have like little walkman sometimes, or little tiny radios, and we figured out how to take 
two, you know, get two Sellys different radios together and, you know, have one play the music and the other one record the music being played and you rap right over the top of them and it'll pick your voice up. It sounds like shit, but we was laying shit down, you know, getting yeah, our ideas out. dope when I heard it. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, we came a long way, but I mean, that was the the concept, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, I, and for sure it wasn't, for me, it wasn't 92, 93 because, you know, I was still, I was still free at that time. It was 94 and, on, and beyond, more like 95 because that's when I actually got sent up to the Insta where we started actually recording the shit like that. Um, and so as soon as 95, you know, those those tapes were out into the streets. Now, um, now, how do you how do you hear music? Um, I, I know that's kind of maybe a broad question, but if you're making a track for yourself and, you know, how, how does the process start? Well, it depends. You know, are you talking about making a, a beat for myself? Or are you talking about making a song for myself? Because they're they're kind well, of two different things. For oh, me. well, see, I ain't I ain't realized that. I was, oh, let's just go with the beat. I guess let's go with the beat. So, first. so for me, you know what I mean. Um, beats is it was kind of the same situation. I was incarcerated. They had some little keyboards up in there, and this cat from, like I said again, another cat from the next city over. And I want to I want to highlight that man. A lot of times, your own city don't show you the love, man. So until you get on, so it's it's unfortunate. But that was kind of the situation. Even though I was locked up, it was like it was these cats from the next city over that was really you know pushing that envelope. And, uh, you know, he was making these beats and he he was dope, man, you know, young cat. And he was like, oh, I'll show you how to do it. And so he showed me how to do it. And so from then on, it was like, now we're making our own beats to to how we want to rap to them, you know, rather than having trying to find other people's music and rap over their shit. So, you know, that's how that concept started. And then, you know, as far as making the beat back then, it was like just trying to make sure I had a kick and a, and a clap or a kick and a snare and then finding a dope bass line and some pianos and, and strings. And it was like, that's the beat, we're done. You know what I mean? And then we would rap over them. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously that that grew. And then when it comes to songwriting, I think it's more or less like whenever I'm inspired. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, whenever whenever I hear a song playing in the background, whether there's words on it or not, and all of a sudden I wanna, I wanna rap to it, or I wanna make a song to it, that I immediately stop what I'm doing and try to write that concept down immediately and embellish on it right then if I can, and if I can't, then it is what it is, I'll get to it later. Uh, but that's kind of the process on, you know, where my mind is at when I make the music. I think for a long time, I used to have to make music with no beats because we didn't have access to beats. And I think now that there's so much access to music, it's like I always like the beat to tell me what to do. So if I hear the beat and the beat is telling me to write something sad, I'll write something sad. It's not that I want to write something sad and then find a beat to make it match or find somebody to accompany it. It's more or less like I let the music tell me how to tell that story and it always happened when I feel inspired. Uh, yeah, man, I, I, I can definitely understand that, man. Thank, you know, thanks to you, man, for the cause and effect records. Um, now with me, with uh, write, I was wondering about poetry. Uh, I started poetry at first, then I started writing other things. Did poetry... Uh, did you start with poetry? Did you happen to start with poetry? I mean, technically, rapping is poetry. It's a form of poetry over music. But where you're talking about just like literally no music behind you, um, poetry or, or slash spoken word, that also came about while I was incarcerated as a young man uh, doing a juvenile life sentence from the age of 15 to 21. Um, I think I was about 17 maybe. And uh, we had like a, a black group, like a black men's group in there. And one of the people, the faculty that worked there in the, in the prison was like, I'm gonna let you guys watch this movie, but we're not supposed to let you watch this movie, but this movie is important, so I'm gonna let you watch this movie. And the movie was uh, like a small indie film uh, called Slam. And it's a, it's a movie of, uh, that stars Saul Williams, who is the actual slam poet in the movie. And once I saw that, I think that was the first seed that was dropped into me about like how powerful the voice could be in spoken word off of the music. And then um, later when I got released, I was I was actually became started doing spoken word. That's a funny story. We could talk about it. Um, But once that happened, but once that happened, then it was like it was on a cracking. And then they were like, I got contacted by the college that I graduated from after I got released. And they were like. Saul Williams is performing and we want you to open up for him. And so that was a big, big deal to do that. And then, you know, over the course of the last, you know, 10, 15 years, I've actually opened up for him two other times. So that's where I was at with the poetry. Um, 
But should I? You want to talk? You want me to tell? Talk about that story? That uh, the Saul Williams, yeah. the, the show. I remember. I remember uh, going there. Now it might have been some funny shit that happened in between that story that you might remember. But I remember going there and and seeing that. And I think it was the. I don't know if it was the which one came first, the the egg or the chicken or, or something, a chicken mm-hmm. or the egg. Yeah. I think it was that one. But I think that was my first time seeing you do spoken word, man. That shit was just. Every it just moved everybody, man, and you know that's some powerful shit, man. You know what I'm saying? That's why I, I appreciate you, man, so much, man. I talk about you a lot, man, because oh, I uh, I took that from you. You know what I'm saying? So you get giving me the opportunity to get on stage and do all that shit, man. Gave me a lot of power to, you know what I'm saying, motivate me. So I truly appreciate that. But hell yeah, I remember that story. That story. Um, now what happened? Going now, I remember it was in Olympia, and I remember um, it was at your school. But I know some crazy things happened going leading up to that. No, I was actually talking about how I like actually started doing spoken word. So, oh, okay. So, so the so yeah. watching that movie was like the seed planted. But then I didn't do spoken word for like you know two three years later to actually do it. And 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 the funny thing is how that came about is there used to be some little shit uh, out in the town called Cafe Arizona. And it was this little yeah, spot. It was I this, remember yeah, that. So it was a little Damn, Cafe Arizona, right? And um, they used to have this shit um, on Tuesdays, like open mic on Tuesdays. And I'd heard about it when I got out of there. But it's like, caution, you got to go up there. You got to go up there. Go you know, do your shit. Now, mind you, I've been locked up for six years. So when you locked up, the, the temperature of rap is so much different from the temperature of free rap. The people that are out and partying mm-hmm. and shaking their ass and doing all this, you know, these were people that are talking about hard times and you got real critics listening to your shit because if your shit is whack, they're going to tell you, you know. Anyway, I get out. I go to this show. I, I rap this song that everybody loved. I loved. The song was dope. And uh, they just looked at me like, nigga, this guy is not it. He needs to get off stage. But uh, mind you, this is open mic, though. It's not like like somebody, you know, like some big concert and I ruined it. You know, this is just open mic. But that's how harsh the critic, the crowds was. The critics was like, nah, we're not feeling that. And it was really like everybody else that rapped and got up there and did anything club related, they was feeling it. You know what I mean? So then I went home. I was a little butt hurt. I was like, oh, shit. And there was a legal tab. You've been, you've been in my mom's house. It was downstairs yeah. my, in mom's house, and, and there was a, a yellow notepad, a legal tab, yeah. and I grabbed it, and I started writing. I was like, last Tuesday, and I came to this motherfucking shit, and, and they wanted to you know hear me talk about females checking their ass. They didn't want to hear about that real shit last Tuesday. You know, uh, and I went off like that, right? So then Tuesday, I came back. The very next Tuesday, I came back. So I thought, This is the story I was talking about. That's what I thought you was talking about. So this uh, is how I got into spoken word. This shit was funny as hell because it was unintentional. It was just like random uh, how, how this happened right so yeah so i was okay, mad good. because they had basically been like you're garbage and i was like oh okay for sure i'm garbage i'm gonna go i went home wrote that night wrote an angry poem it was really not angry <laughs> but it was reflective of that night was, you know and tuesday, i just called it last tuesday down. so then i came back the next tuesday and they were like and next to the stage is oh it's it's caution again you know what i mean they were like you know they was they was hard they was hardcore they was worse than you know uh, that shit in New York where they yank you off the stage, you know what I mean? It was worse than that, you know what mm. I mean? It was hardcore at that little spot at that time. Anyway, the end of the story is this. <laughs> they came up and they said, or I came up on this at the stage, and he goes, uh, wait a minute, caution, I don't, I didn't get a CD from you. I ain't got no music. I said, yeah, I ain't going to need no music. And I pull out, <laughs> and he was like, what? And the crowd was like, what? <laughs> and then I pull out this you know, legal tab. It was ro- I had torn the pages off, and it was rolled up in my back pocket. And I unrolled that bitch, and I start the poem. Last Tuesday. <laughs> and everybody, like, you could see the crowd divide itself. It was funny. It was like half the crowd was like, this nigga's dope. And then the other half the crowd was like, he's talking about us. <laughs> you know what I mean? But this, this, the cast that still thought it was dope was like, he is talking about us, though. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, it was this weird, like, That's you know. Crazy. That's dope. A little That's shit dope. came over the crowd, and then when I when I left, you know, they clapped and they you know they liked that shit. And then the dude, the promoter, was a, a kind of a big deal at the time, and I didn't know that. He comes up, I didn't even know who he was. He comes up to me, he's like, "Hey," he was like, "I do comics from Def Jam and and, and Comic View um, on Saturdays, and I want you to open up for him. You're gonna do spoken word." And That's what he said to me. He said, "You're gonna do spoken word," and I said, "What?" I said, oh, "Okay." And I went home, and, and Smitty was at the house. I said, Smitty, I'm supposed to write, do some spoken word to open up for this comic shit. What the fuck am I supposed to He said, you need to listen to some jazz. 
And then he gave me, I think it was called Sonic Force or some shit like this, something with force in it. And and ironically, we were on blunt force. Love Smitty, I could see Smitty. And I wrote this piece called The Concept and Conception. And ironically, that piece went on to win a lot of slam poetries after that. Um, and, and unintentionally, because like I said, the only reason I even got into spoken words because of that poem, because of that rap, and that promoter told me, come back on Saturdays, fuck Tuesdays, come back on Saturdays, you can start opening up for these comics. And that was a dope experience, too, to open up for all these, you know, famous comics, you know, just getting out, you know, it was a dope Hell experience. yeah, yes it was, man. Hell yeah, Blunt Force Podcast Radio, man. Yeah, man, uh, spoken word, man. We're going to break it up, man. We're going to come back, hopefully, man. We're going to get caution, man, deliver some spoken word, man. Blunt Force Podcast Radio. like $300 worth of ice. It's hot down here, man. Half of it melted before you even got down. I'm telling you, the bag was, I mean, it's hot down. Ask anybody about the heat, Scope. I ain't got a lot about none of that. Man, what else? Secret location. OK. No, that sounds great. All right, revolution. Take care. This is Undercover Brother. Hey, how you doing, brother? Good morning. Good morning. Get on the desk. Back up off Back me. up off me. Let me tell you something about the word good, brother. Good is an ancient Anglo-Saxon word. Go off, meaning the absence of color. I.e., it's all good, which it is, or goodwill hunting, meaning I'm hunting niggas. So if you say good morning to me, the only thing you're saying is I'm going to kill your black ass first thing in the morning. Blunt Force Podcast Radio, man. We are back, man. Uh, we got caution, like I said, man, in the building, man. Finally, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been waiting on this for a minute, man. Uh, a lot of things I've been wanting to talk to you about, man. A lot of things I want to thank you for. Um, but uh, right now, man, uh, Tacoma, Washington, man. Like I said, Tacoma, Washington is my second home, man. You know what I'm saying? That's definitely my second home. You know, there's a lot of times I'd rather go to Tacoma than anywhere else. Mm. You know, uh, I feel that. Tacoma, man. Um, you know, when I was there in Tacoma, things was, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's things happening everywhere, man, you know, in Tacoma. And we were always in, in, the, in the streets trying to provide something better. I remember going to the schools and starting the, um, the gardens. I, I found, I got pictures of that um, where we were paint, trying to repaint the school, the, uh, the grandma school. I think it was like a kindergarten or a elementary, preschool, elementary, elementary school. We were always out in the neighborhood doing car washes. Um, just always out in the neighborhood trying to do something positive for the neighborhood. And every time we always out there trying to do something positive, we always get stopped. Or they would, some negative or being being said that we was trying to do, portray. You know, that really irked me as an outsider looking in. And from you growing up like that, and now, now you're one of the activists in the neighborhood. And I see that a lot from uh, people that, uh, that, that I've grown up with in Tacoma. So, uh. Tacoma, Washington, man. What does Tacoma, Washington mean to you? Well, the Tacoma, Puget Sound Hound. The Puget Sound Hound. Now, uh, Tacoma, Washington means means a lot of things to me. And I think, you know, to be completely transparent, um, you know, I think for a long time I didn't really even understand uh, why the city would be important to me. Um, I think I had a lot of feelings about my city and about the divide in my city, even as a youngster. Um, you know, I grew up on the dividing line of Lakewood and Tacoma. And so, uh, you know, that was an interesting place to be because there was division between those two places, even though they were right next to each other. Um, and I remember, you know, uh, moving away from Tacoma. And, and it wasn't until I moved away. Now, I was taken away as a kid. That's one thing. You know, I was, I was incarcerated. But when I chose to move away on my own volition, when I left on my own and moved down to SoCal, um, I remember missing Tacoma in a way that I'd never missed it before. And I, and I thought that was interesting. And, you know, maybe that's just typical homesickness or whatever. But I remember when I had to move back, I had lost it all. You were talking about losing it all. I lost it all, right, at that time. And I, and I had to move back to Washington. And when I moved back, you know, I was sad. I was like, man, I'm going to miss this sunshine. I'm going to miss all this culture, all these people, you know what I mean? And I get back to Tacoma and it was like I appreciated things differently. You know, when I got back, like our air was really clear 
and the water was really fresh and the trees were really green you know what i mean and it was just like damn you know it's like you know when we were always never grateful for where we at or what we have you know and so the grass is always greener on the other side so for me that's when i started to really love tacoma uh, but as far as caring about my city and where I come from, I've been doing restorative justice since 2000. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so yeah, restorative yeah. justice looks at, and actually before that, but like on the streets, in the community since 2000. So I've been going back into schools and prisons and institutions and juvenile facilities and adoption care facilities and working with all of these marginalized populations for over 20 some years now. I've been doing this, you know what I mean? I became a published author while I was incarcerated, mm -hmm. you know, and that book has been required. One of those books has been required reading at the Evergreen State College for the last 24, 25 years, you know. Um, so it's just, you know, there's been a lot of restorative justice. And, uh, you know, I think that what's going on is the community right now is in such a bad crisis in Tacoma and Lakewood and all surrounding cities. Uh, they're in such a bad crisis because of all of the uh, gentrification that's happening, because of all the poverty that's happening, because of all the corporate business that's happening, um, and all the police brutality and murder that's happening. Uh, there's it's created a lot of unrest. And so that means that people are trying to be more active in their community. And so now there's more of a, a face to it. You see more people in the streets. It's getting more media attention because one, it's, it's trending right now in every city, but also because it's, it's, it's worthy of the footage that it's getting, you know what I mean? Because the city's tired and the city's trying to stand up. And so they're looking to their own people who have been in the trenches or out there with them or doing the work with them to, to help in the leadership. And so that's that's where you might have seen some of that stuff at. And the last thing I saw, uh, I saw you marching. Um, it was for the Tacoma ceasefire, I believe. Yeah, that was that was actually a long time ago. That was pre-COVID. So in 2019, uh, there was a call and response from our city. And uh, what had happened was uh, I got a I got a phone, a personal phone call from Doe, which you know, you know my mm -hmm. guy Doe, right? That's my guy I grew up with. And he goes, caution, I'm about to go to this to this meeting at this community center and I don't, I don't really know what's going on, but if anybody should be there, you should be there. And I really appreciated that call. Somebody I grew up with, somebody that's known me my whole life and he just, he got a call from somebody in the community that didn't know who I was and invited me to the space anyway. And so, you know, when I came into that space, you know, it was an immediate, there was somebody there named Candace Wesley who was like, look, we need all of the OGs, or all the people who used to be from the hood, or all the people that got connections to the hood. We need all you men to get together right now in this building and figure it out so we can do something. And, you know, we came there kind of like, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? You know, how you get us all together, you know, yeah. impromptu. We don't have any really direction, and we don't really even connect it to some of this stuff. But we do have an obligation as former gang members in our city to, to step up to that call because we are part of the chaos. We're part of that original influence. Even though we were influenced, it still matters. Um, so we responded and the city responded by saying, we, we're gonna march. And uh, the whole city showed up and marched to the east side, you know, from, from very young kids to elderly, from the native population to the black population, to the Latino population, to the white population. It was very beautiful to see the city stand up like that. But unfortunately, since then, that was 2019, it's 2020, mm -hmm. 23, um, we've had a lot more reasons to march through our streets, you know, police killing our people and getting away with it. And, and there's just been a lot of suffering going on in the city. Um, earlier you were talking about the houselessness, you know, I grew up in that city, both sides. And, um, I can tell you that, you know, there was, there's always been homelessness or houselessness, but right now it's epic and it really, it really transformed greatly, uh, during COVID, you know, COVID was a, a big shift for a lot of things. And I think, you know, uh, when when we think of Houdini, you know, we think about magic or whatever, but, you know, it was the art of misdirection. Uh, it was all about the art of misdirection, and I, I truly believe that that's what happened. We're not going to get political, but I'm just saying there was a lot of shifts that happened during COVID, but because people were suffering or afraid of dying and all these other things, they missed the financial shift and the, and the power shifts that happened, you know, and, and this could have been one of them, so... Uh, it just, you know, it really put a lot of people on the streets. So, you know, it's, it's all time epic. And it's, you know, we're talking about houseless teenagers and old people. So, I mean, it's the whole spectrum. And uh, one thing I did notice when I was out here, though, I was like, man, it's interesting to see houselessness because when I was in Hawaii a long time ago, there was houseless people, but they were, they had this smile on their face, even though they were houseless. It was like because of their environment, because of this tropical environment or this sun 
it was like they still had some quality of life. Um, and even even recently, since I've been here, I was just at Venice Beach yesterday, and there was a lot of houseless people out there, right? And they just they just had this essence about them, this quality of life, even though they it's the they, weather the, exactly. Yeah, it's it the was weather. Even, but it's even though weather. even though they didn't have shit, or or they they were in a separation from where everybody else has this access to privilege or whatever they still had smiles on their faces and you know we're just you know walking around and shirt off just enjoying the weather and then i reflect to you know the houseless population where i'm at and the weather's not so great all the time it's actually really cold and rainy a lot and i just be like damn man i wish there was a way to, to move them to a sunnier environment but even if they didn't have you know all of the things that they they need they at least had this weather system Mm. that could give them some kind of warmth if long you know if that's what they wanted i guess but uh yeah yeah Yeah, man i see you traveling a lot man i'm i'm glad to see that man it's about time man i wish a lot of washingtonians would get out and travel actually i wish everybody would travel more man i think traveling is very important man you know i was very thankful to do travel when I was a young age, and I still travel a lot, and I plan on doing a whole lot more now. But I love to see other people travel that don't get it, didn't get a chance to experience <laughs> traveling, man. You know what I'm saying? That shit just gives me a high. Man. Just seeing your ass, my brother be ziplining through motherfucking jungles and shit, man. I ain't never did no shit like that, man. Yeah, hi. Tell me about traveling, because especially, man, because you was locked up, man. So you know what I'm saying? It's a whole bunch of times. You know, it's probably long enough, but that, I know that's still. I don't know what the feeling of that one, but you know what I'm saying? But that's got to have something to, with just traveling, man, just being able to see you do it, man. You know what I'm saying? How does that, how does that feel? I think, I think that uh, traveling does a lot of different things for me. And I think that, yeah, being incarcerated as a young person and having my freedom taken for such a long time made me imagine what was on the other side of that gate. And, and in imagining what was on the other side of that gate, I wasn't just imagining my own little hood or where I, my neighborhood that I came from. I was imagining imagining the whole world, you know, and like places I had never been or never thought I could be, but I still thought about them. And so, you know, when I got out because I was working, uh, you know, being a motivational speaker and, and having access to going inside of, uh, you know, prisons and institutions, um, I felt like I had a lot of... Um, a lot of privilege to travel, you know what I mean? So they were putting me on flights and flying me places to do speaking engagements. And I, 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 know, I know that's a privilege because at the time I couldn't afford to go to these places, you know what I mean? But I was getting flown there. When, before I got locked up, my mom had flown us probably three or four times in my life that I can remember. You know, like flew us to Memphis when we were kids and then we flew to Kansas a couple of times. I remember that. But I think that was it, you know, as a kid. And so then when I got out, you know, it was like, I got flown to California over the book that we did. Got to go to the AK Press in Oakland, where the book was originally pressed from. Got to, you know, speak on the city hall steps in Oakland, protesting the super jail being built in Alameda County. You know, it was like dope shit, you know what I mean? Get Low Posse was there, you know what I mean? Uh, Ascari X was there, you know, and these were, these were people I listened to when I was incarcerated. So to meet them, you know, and, and hand them my book, you know what I mean? That was like, you know, it was life-changing things. So it was like, yeah. I, I realized that you got to travel, you know, to have certain experiences. You don't have to just, you know, always travel, but don't be scared to leave your own backyard. So, um, you know, and that led up to, you know, being able to go out of the country for the first time, you know, went to Jamaica, dope mm-hmm. experience, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you've been doing um, that for a minute, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, to, you uh, know, to yeah. the last time I went out of the country was last year, which is what you was referencing, talking about ziplining through the jungles. We went to Cancun yeah, and Tulum. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, me and my boy K-9 for, for our birthday, for my birthday, and, uh, you know, dope experience. Uh, Hell yeah. Man. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, traveling does a lot for me. I think it gives me different perspectives. It allows me to meet people in different places, taste their foods, you know, understand what they're really going through, what it really looks like. Because um, I don't typically, when I travel, I don't, I've never been to a resort per se. So when I travel out of the country, I'm usually in the mix with the people, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. staying near wherever they're staying. And so it's like, it's a very different experience than when you go to a resort and don't leave the resort town and, 
you know, right, everything right, is right. totally different. So yeah, that's why yeah, I just want to go out and mingle with the people, man. Is there any place that you want to go? Yeah, I want to go on a cruise, man. But fuck uh, that. Tell me, tell me what your told me about yeah, the cruises, tell me yo. what your pops told you hey, about the cruise. So look, my pop said do it, man. Especially just get a group of people, like five, six people, five people. You know, get on the cruise, but you gotta do it the sweet though. Do it top shelf, man. Don't do it. You said get, top cause, shelf. Cause you gotta be able to uh, all you can drink, all you can eat, and everybody on that cruise can't get that. So you want to get that? Cause my old man went with the low bottom first, and they was like they, they felt like they was missing out, and so they went to sweet, and they ain't been they ain't they ain't did it since. They going on the cruise next year in mm. May. Him, his wife, and they taking uh landing cause he just Where graduated. They going? Bangkok. Nah, oh, so they go so they so it's like you start in California, you go to seven that ain't no cruise. You start they going to Catalina it, Island coming back. No, nah, they go to Jamaica, then <laughs> then they go to some other so five different spots, man. They, wait, they go they're leaving from California and end up in Jamaica. I don't know where they're leaving. That's from. a crazy. They might cruise. be leaving from. I don't know where they leaving. They from. leaving from Miami if they're going but to Jamaica. Either way, that's normally where they leave from. When they was in Illinois and they were going cruise, they would have to fly down to Miami. You're right, yeah. But uh, I think they can leave from California. I don't know. But I know they're going on a cruise next year, man. But, yeah, that, that's the thing I would say. I would say do that. I want to go on a cruise. For it, but man. COVID restrictions have prevented me previously from going on cruises. Is, they, recently, is that still up? Recently, some of the cruise lines I heard and have seen on a couple of the websites that have lifted the COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm. So now there's some availability uh, for some of us who, who would like to go. Um but uh, I haven't gone yet. But this year I've been flying um, two flights a month for the whole year, and so it's been it's been a lot of traveling. You know what I mean? So it's been a lot. And so uh, coming up, we're gonna be going to Costa Rica um, for my birthday this year. You no, know, Australia. I want to go Australia. I want definitely Australia. I Dubai. Go I want to go to Dubai too. Okay. But I but before I do Australia and Dubai, I want to go to Africa. Uh, Real yeah, Africa. Yeah, Africa. Not uh, just not my, just my Egypt, not just an, not, not just yeah, not just ancient Kemet, but like I want to go to Africa, Africa. Like see so, like the pyramids. Just all that. no, that's the part I don't want to go to first. I want to see Africa, Africa okay. because see that part is right, butted up right next to the Middle East, and so that's a different part of Africa. Okay. The culture is extremely different over there. The language is extremely different right there. How you know, then you ain't never been. No, I'm just uh, that's fact. But no, I know no, people that sure. have went. Yeah. I know people yeah. that have went. You know, yeah. I know some people that lived over there, you know. My so. sister goes to Ghana all the time and she's always telling me because she has she does hair out there. She sets up shops. She teaches teaches hair out there in Ghana. And yeah, she tells me all the time. But I hear great things about Africa. I've been hearing great things about Africa since I was I'll say my teenage years, man. That's why I stopped believing whatever they say yeah, on TV. I'll tell you them lies. You know, I, I, I've heard, I've, I've been hearing, man, I heard, man, I can, Dubai is another one now. That one, that one might be a game changer right there. If it wasn't, you know, all, unless without the restrictions, it may not be the same thing for women down there as far as for men, as far as the experience. But um, I just know, I just heard they, they ain't got, you ain't got to worry about no crime. You ain't got to worry about no police. I want to know what that shit feel like. Well, shit, Norway, Norway you know felt Norway felt like that for You've me. Been in Norway, that's how it felt. Norway was crazy, man. Like, like here's the experience that I had. I'm not gonna say everybody else had this experience, but I definitely had this experience. So, first of all, I, I was going through it in the states. I was in a really bad fucking spot. Like, fuck the world was on on everything. That was the whole mindset. And uh, my homie, rest in peace, Simeon, his dad, you know, was like, "Look, man, I can't fly you out here, but if you can get your flight out here, man, come, come get, come, come out here for like two weeks, man. Come, come stay with us. You know, we'll feed you, we'll take care of you, we'll pick you up from the airport, we'll do all that. All you got to do is get a flight out here." I was this like, Norway. This is in Norway because okay. he was, him and his wife were living, and his baby were living in Norway at the time. So I was like, "Okay." Uh, so I scrambled up the money and I hop on a plane and I'm out. I go to Norway. I got a passport already. I'm out. I go to Norway. I land in Oslo, Oslo where the where, where the fucking uh, airport is. It's like a, I think it's like an hour and a half, maybe a, it feels like an hour and a half drive from from where they from where the airport was and the major city was to where they live, which was Anafas. Uh-huh. Anafas is like the sticks. That shit is remote. There's nothing around. The nearest city from where he lived was like to get into the nearest store, not the nearest city. The nearest store was like a four or five mile walk, right? Yeah. And it's snow everywhere. You know, it's cold. You know, I'm like, damn, this is crazy. Um, but uh, when I got out there, uh, it was it was weird because like I, I went into all these places and nobody 
nobody looked at me like I was black. It was crazy. It was like the first time in my life where I wasn't being judged. It really felt that way. Now, if they were judging me, they were very well and not showing. I read people, you feel me? Right, right, And right. I'm used to going lots of places and seeing people react to my, how my hair looks or what my face looks like. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. just, I'm so used to that. I'm programmed at this point. And so when I go there, I'm just, my guard is up. And every time I try to keep it up, there's no reason to keep it up. I just got to let it down. I'm just tripping. Like, this is weird. And even the cops were, were, would not even look at you twice. Like, walk right past them, smelling like Joe don't matter. They just walk right past you. And I believe I didn't see the cops. They didn't have guns. It was like, it was crazy. It was like a surreal experience. And then I went into the city because I was there for two weeks. So I was all over the whole the whole Norway. I was everywhere. I was damn near in Sweden a couple times. I almost went up to Bergen and I was everywhere, right? But I went with, with my homies that I had went to Italy with. They they lived in, in Norway. Yeah. So when I met them in Italy, you know, like a few years later, they were like, oh, you're coming to Norway. We're going we're gonna to take you out. They take me out to the city, which is back in Oslo. And, and that's just jumping. Like every nationality of every race is there and every club is packed out and it's it's just madness in the streets, but beautiful madness. And it was like the whole time I was there, I never felt like I was an American. I never felt like I was being judged for my skin or my hair type. Mm. Like, and it was crazy. It was, it was a lot of white people. Don't get it twisted. I'm not saying it was just so mixed, nobody cared. That's not what right, I'm saying. Right, right. I'm saying the vibe was not on that. It didn't feel that way. Like people, people didn't care if you were big. People didn't care if you were skinny. People, you know, and I don't. And I was in a really bad place, so I don't know if I could go over there and just make this up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I got over there because I was escaping some fucking madness in the states. You know what I mean? Right, he told right. me get out the states, come over here. The world is different when you leave the states. Come out here. You know what I mean? So I honestly believe that. That's a cold statement right there, me? man. And yeah. I'm, the older I get, the Talk more I realize it, it man. The, yeah, man, it's, it's totally different, man. That's that's why I used to say that when I was younger, though, man. When I was in high school, I just wanted to go to different countries and just ask them what they think about us. You know oh, what I'm saying? Just, wow. but man, but now, you know, now I'm, you know, what I'm saying. But I just want to, I just know it's a difference, man. You know, I, I it's, you know, it, it, well, now it got to be, but just. And I'm just hearing all this stuff from people doing it, watching their interviews, talking about their experiences there. Black people talking about their experiences in Dubai type shit. Mm-hmm. Like I want to know. I kind of know what that feels like, but I just want to know what it really feel like. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what that shit really feel like. So yeah, you just gotta go. Hell yeah, man. That's it. You gotta just get your passport and go. That's the million dollar thing, man. My old man been telling me that shit for about eight, ten years, man. Yeah. I still ain't got my passport yet, man. Yeah, it ain't that hard. You, know? you just gotta go get it. No, nah, it, ain't. it ain't. Yeah, you just gotta get it and go. That's it. it. You just got to have faith in the universe, man, to yeah. take that leap, man. It's that simple. You know, it really is. I mean, I'm, and that I guess I say that from a privileged standpoint, but in, in all essence, if you really, really want to do it, you can find a way. Yeah, yeah, you definitely can, man. Definitely, man. Blunt Force Podcast Radio. We'll be back, man. I was pouring sweat. My blood is too thick for Nevada. I've never been able to properly explain myself in this climate. Okay. Be quiet. Be calm. Name? Frank. And press affiliation. Nothing else. They chopped the goddamn head off right there in the parking lot, then they cut all kinds of holes in her and sucked out the blood. They wrapped the penal gland, I think. Yeah. No, how's your mama? Ignore this terrible drug. Yeah. Pretend it's not happening. Hi there! Free lunch. Final wisdom. Total coverage. Where am I, attorney? With me? And I realize that his name is not on that list, but we must have that suite. Yes, we must have that suite. What's the score here? What's next? Say it part again. How long is it gonna take us to take us? You know what I'm saying? How long is it gonna take us to do this last segment, nigga? Because it should only take us 15 minutes. Run it. Yeah, okay. Blunt Force Podcast Radio. We out back, man. We're about to end this, man. I'm trying to figure out, man. My God, man. Love this motherfucker, man, right here, man. No, you definitely found me, man. Uh, like I said, man, you're looking good, man. Um, 
Appreciate it. Uh, trying to see, man. So, how you feeling, man? Uh, how, how's life treating you right now, man? Life, you know, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm proud of you traveling. You know, I'm, I'm really proud of that part. Uh, then you wiping your hair out your eyes, just uh, fucking hilarious <laughs> to me, nigga. <laughs> I, first of all, I didn't move my hands. I'm hey, wiping your hair. You go, you go, you gonna do that a lot too. Wait till it get longer. Yeah, you <laughs> you gonna definitely be do, looking like Mike Epps. But yeah, man. Uh, yeah, man. Like I said, it's good to see you, man. So, so how how, how is everything, man? Everything. Uh, cause we gonna end this real quick. Um, I mean, you know. Well, let me let me just stay say something, man. You know, let me just get my shit out, man. Like I said, man. Blunt Force you know, Podcast Radio. You are get like your a, shit out. You're like a like a like a. You know, I, I I really look up to you, man, like a mentor, man. You know what I'm saying? The shit that you did and, and that you was doing in Tacoma, Washington, was strong, man. You know what I'm saying? I was the one that grabbed mm-hmm. on and followed you, and like I said, I appreciate y'all calling me constantly, telling me to come out there, come back out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I definitely always want to thank you for that, man. That that definitely, and I've said this in interviews in the past on Plumford Podcast that I just tried to do what I saw you doing. And put it in what I'm doing, so um, like the the mint, you know. So I now I see that you doing mentorship. I think that's something you know that we can lead into that because uh, you are a mentor. You a mentor to a whole bunch of people, whether you realize that or not. Um, how you feel about that? Being being a mentor, as far as is that something overwhelming or something that you want or that you were reaching for or a goal that happened or did it just happen? I th- I think that. Uh mentorship or leadership i can tell you a short story about when i was a young man and uh you know i was incarcerated because and and i don't mean to continue to reflect to that but i'm only highlighting on it because my life got fast forwarded during that period i got a lot of valuable life lessons that some people don't get till they're way older but i got them in this young you know this short six-year span you know so it really it really expanded my mind and um i think uh I remember that there was a young man that was talking shit in there and I and I said around a group of other young men, I said, somebody should punch that motherfucker in the face. You know what I mean? Like or something something to that, that regard, you know what I mean? And later that day, somebody took took the liberty to punch that young man in his face. And then we go on lockdown. And they pull me out of my cell, and I'm like, what the fuck are you pulling me out of my cell for? I have not done anything. And they're like, well, you know, you 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 wanted that young man to get hurt or something like that. I said, what are you talking about, you know? And I'm arguing back and forth because in my mind, I'm like, if I didn't actually physically do it, then how is it my fault, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't actually say that I really wanted somebody to do that. It was I had said it out loud, you know what I mean, talking shit, you know, like somebody should punch that. Motherfucker, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. not realizing the power of my words is where I'm going with this. You mm-hmm. feel me? Or, or my influence, or, or at that time, and and I hate to say it, but one of one of my biggest life lessons was in this moment because I was being punished for something I had said, even though I hadn't done it. Someone else had acted upon it, and uh, what I know now is, um, you know, the thoughts that we think. And the thoughts that we say out loud or that we don't even say, they actually come to life. The universe does that. And so we have to be very, very conscious of what we actually think and what we actually say because it goes on forever and ever and ever. And in somewhere, some way, the universe will act upon it or find a person to act upon it. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, with that said, that was the lesson I learned because the, the I remember the guard telling me, he goes, you know, sometimes Terrence, you're a, you're a leader, not by choice. Mm-hmm. And that's what he said to me. And um, <clears throat> damn, I wish these dogs would shut up. <laughs> shut up! God damn, canine in the building. <laughs> anyway, um, so that was a lesson I had learned at that point. And, I so, and so for me, at that moment, I had a decision to know, because it's like, if you know better, you do better, right? So mm-hmm. now I know that I'm an influence, even though I didn't think I was. And here's an act that was shown to me, reflected back to me, so I could assess it and understand it. And I took the, took the liberty to try to understand it. So then from that moment forward, it was like, if, if people are going to be leading or if people are going to be listening to me, what am I actually saying? 
What am I actually doing? Right. And that's when my lyrics really took a, a, a sharp turn to become political or militant. That's when I realized I was like, no more gangbang shit. You know, that's when I stopped gang, gangbang and all that. It's like, because once you know better, you can't go backwards. Yep. You know what yep. I mean? So like, for me, it was like, okay, now I understand mm. new information. I got to do new shit. I was like, so this is what I'm on right now. So I changed my messaging. To, to match my actions, right? So that I wasn't confusing people by saying something and then doing something different. You know what I mean? I was I was really living the, live, walking the walk and talking the talk, you know what I mean? And so that was really hard to do to make that power shift inside of the confines of prison, especially as a young man with no, what the, what the fuck? There's nobody here! Oh, there's a man. <laughs> The mailman looking at me through the window like these niggas is crazy. <laughs> Hell God, no. All that for a piece of mail. It's not worth it. I would quit if I was the mailman and I had to hear that shit every day. I would Hell fucking no. quit. Just imagine it wasn't even. I think they was loose, man. Yeah. He walked Christ. up all casual right. too, like yeah, he did this. He did this before. Yeah, yeah. He's here every day. I heard that. Yeah, right, right, yeah. right. That shit was garbage. But anyway, the moral of the story to end it all is just to say that that's when I realized I had to change the messaging. So I changed the messaging. When I got out, I continued with that change messaging. That's when you were impacted by it, and other people in my community I was interacting with. They were noticing, and even though the city wasn't ready for it then. You know what I mean? And even though a lot of my homies and people and my family wasn't ready for it then, at least it was happening. You know what yeah. I mean? We, I was, somebody was, one of us was pushing this envelope, you know, to push, saying, no, we could do more, we could be more, we could say more. You know what I mean? We don't got to stay in this little ass box that everybody wants us to be in. You know what I mean? So for me, that's where the motivation came from. And like I said, I've been going back in prisons, you know, for 20 something years, you know, so I've been continually doing that. But my whole life, is been mentorship. If you know, if from that moment, from that moment where I realized I had to, you know, lead. I was a leader, even if it wasn't by choice. And so, if if it was gonna be my choice, then I'm gonna choose to lead people the right way. You feel me? And not like, you know, sell out or you know, understand that people are you know following me, and I'm gonna do some erroneous, stupid shit. So they follow that, you know what I mean? I don't yeah. want that. I want people to be in their light. You know what I mean? I want people to wake up. I want people to be free. You know, in, all, in in every aspect of the way, so um, I think that's for me. You know, that, so and then recently, you know, putting that into practice in a more disciplined way, you could say. For the last three years, I've been doing mentorship through Raymond Hall, which is the local juvenile detention center mm. in Tacoma, Washington, where I was previously incarcerated as a juvenile. So full circle, coming back to work with the young men there. Um, you know, and it's been, you know, it's been a dope experience to work with them and, and be a positive influence in their life and, you know, to be working uh, in some type of partnership with the same system that incarcerated me as a juvenile. Hell yeah, man. One thing you said, man, once you know better, you can't go back, man. That's That, that was tough right there, man. Uh, but yeah, that, everything you're saying, man, I already saw you doing already, man. You know, so it doesn't surprise me what you're doing, man. But I just love to see... No, I just love to see you happy. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm hoping that you're actually doing what you want to do, man. You know, uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see you. I ain't seen you in a couple of years, man. You know, like I'm getting back up to Washington State, man. And, and uh, yeah, man, I got. No, that's not true. Yeah, what do you no. mean? What? You just came to see me a year and a half say, ago. Yeah, what did I say? Two years. Yeah, it's been, it felt like that. Actually, it felt no. like I ain't, I feel like I was there last year. Really. But why did you come see me? I feel like it was there last year. Why did you come up? Oh, that's family. What do you mean? I where, came. Where, up, we where, were supposed to do a podcast. Where, where, where was I at? What what status was I in? Uh oh yeah, man. Your leg is all yeah. yeah. Look, knees, look, you all all yeah. You ain't got no cane no more. Yeah, you was all limped up, man. I no, remember I was the, in a wheelchair. the smooth ass cat. Yeah, I was yeah. in a wheelchair. I wasn't yeah. just limped up. I forgot all about that. Yeah, you did. That is crazy. Yeah, was in man. a wheelchair, boy. Okay, hell yeah, yeah. yeah. That is the leg, huh? So how's that? Split? How that's going? <clears throat> you know, the cane is right there. With your oh, un okay. Uninformed ass. <laughs> <laughs> I but all uh, about that, yeah, yeah man, that was know, tragic. I mean, that was crazy, man. Yeah, but but yeah. I appreciate you. That's how you know your family, though. You know, you came up and you fucked with your boy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You, know, you drove around with me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Helped me get the wheelchair out the car. You know yeah, what I mean? Man. Don't forget that. 
Yeah, 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 did yeah, that. Yeah. Came and played bones with me. Came and kept me company. No, no, that's times. a lie for sure. This skinny a ass Ethiopian lookalike. He always want to lie about you know, shit. Luckily, we ain't but, got time to do that today. But yeah, damn sure lucky about that because you know I'll spank <laughs> that ass. But um, to end out, I think we should end. Look, this is this is funny because we're talking about all this shit, but you said it's good to see you happy. And the one yeah. thing that I want to say is that, like, I think the only reason you see me happy right now is because of a great, great transformation that happened in the last, since I last saw you, essentially. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I think seeds were being planted, you know, along the way. <clears throat> but um, I think, you know, there's, there's just been some real revelations that have happened for me. And I realized that happiness is, is, is not, it's not a destination. You know what I mean? It's a choice. Yep. You know what I mean? And and now that I understand that, it's like you know. So what makes you happy? Caution, Terrence. What you know? What makes you happy? Traveling, seeing people, huh. going to the ocean, being in sunny weather. So I'm pursuing all those things, yep. right? Yep. Yep. And I, and I'm trying to make sure that I balance that with helping other people. Because if I'm always helping other people, when am I helping myself? Right? If I'm fighting everybody else's battle, when am I fighting my own oppressor? When am I fighting my own demons? When am I fighting the own shit to shutting me down? Fuck the systems. Fuck all this shit out here. When am I working on me? Mm-hmm. And and so that's this is part of you know self care, self care, self love. This is part of my new mentality, which is you know um, be 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 meaningful in in all you do. You know what I mean? And be appreciative. That's the most important thing. Just be so grateful to be alive, to be yep, here, yep. to have eyes, yeah, sight, yeah. arms that work, legs that work. If you ain't got none of those, but you're still alive, that's still dope. Like find the gratitude. Like no matter what the fuck the situation, I don't give a fuck how bad it is. I don't care. Mm-hmm. If you have gratitude, things will shift. And that's where it's at, you know? And so that's where I'm at right now. So you, the reason you see me happy is because I really have changed the way that I look at life and no longer expected life around me to change. And I think that's the that's the dope shit, you know? That's where yeah. it's at for me. So um, I'm gonna continue to ride out however long this, this vessel gives me in this yep. experience. Yep. But I realize now that like, this entire reality is shaped by my own perspective. And so as long as I want to enjoy this reality, I have to change my stance from where I'm standing in order to get a new perspective, right? So it's like, so that's what I gotta do. And so I'm changing my perspective. I'm no longer wanting everything else to change. And, And in doing so, there's power and freedom in that. You know, to be able to get up and say, I'm just gonna quit my job today, or I'm just gonna take two flights a month for no reason, and people looking at you like, I didn't know you had it like that. No, it's not that <laughs> I don't have it like. It's not that I have it like that. It's like, how many how many packs of cigarettes do you smoke a day, or how many? What's mm-hmm. your vice? Whatever your vice mm-hmm. is, no matter what it is, you know, not and not yep. judging you, no judgment. Hey. But if you take that vice away, now you have a new source of income to apply mm-hmm. that towards mm-hmm. whatever you might want to do. That would be a great habit to replace it with. Right or a great uh, self care situation to replace it with, and so that's kind of what I'm on right now. It's just really like trying to leave the lightest footprint. I'm trying to leave every space better than the way I found it. You know what I mean? I'm trying to forgive everybody and everything, and pray and hope that they have forgiveness for me if I've ever harmed them or felt that they felt that I've done them wrong. You know what I mean? I'm trying to leave all bridges open. You know, and I'm not trying to let. You know, I'm trying to be aware of energy vampires, but. I'm still trying to leave everything open so that people don't have to feel like they can't be themselves. Like I want everybody to arrive as their authentic self. And I think that letting go of that control factor of wanting people to be something else, right? No matter who they are in your life, but you want them to be something else is where we have all these expectations that break our heart and tear us down when they're not met, but they're actually unrealistic expectations because all we should do is expect people to be themselves. Yeah, yeah, man, that's dope, man. Yeah, Blunt first podcast radio. radio. We gonna end it with that shit. Let's go to the beach today. <laughs> beach life, nigga. Ooh, it's just me, myself, and I. Solo ride until I die. Cause I got me for life. Yeah. Ooh, I don't need a hand to hold. Even when the night is cold, I got that fire in my soul. Myself and I now Caught up in the moment Cause I'm living for right now Lost in the commotion Got me feeling like time's out So I'm letting it ride out To find out gone I can't be dealing with this fake shit All these makeshift suckers in the matrix All these ain't shit buzzers Wanna try to be a hustler But these motherfuckers About to get a facelift That's why I keep it by my loss What I mean and I don't fuck with any functions I 
ain't fucking with you, really no discussion. Cause really I ain't something you should fuck with. I'm dusted in disgust. But every day's a bad day. That's the reason for my mad face. Plus the love is going and now yourself this bitch has got me on a rampage. Got a problem, then get at me. I'll be in my back cave. Yeah. It's just me, myself, and I. Solo ride until I die. Cause I got me for life. Got me for life. Myself having conversations alone in the zone, and it's complicated. Needed friends, not foes, I suppose. But why am I alone when the world is overpopulated? When the world is so indoctrinated, fake friends, fake feelings, so I gotta shake it. And when I'm gone, I ain't looking back. In fact, I'm blind to the bullshit, fueled with the chronic hatred. For the phonies and the fake ones, we ain't homies, ain't friends, we ain't Nathan. No explanation, no question, cause I don't need nothing from you actors but your resignation. So you can sign right here, think I'm tripping, but my time's right here, and I'll be good when the suckers in the hood and the limelight clears. Or I'ma die right here, sincere. sincere. Ooh, it's just me, myself, and I. Solo ride until I die, cause I got me for life. Got me for life. Against the world, right? Elevated, so I see it from a bird's eye. Hesitation ain't a verb. I'll turn on 120 and pH and on the turnpike. This is what it burns like when it feels like this. When bullet for it, seal my lips to my death. Let me rest, no stress. Just me, myself, and I. Solo, dodo, let me chill like this. Cause I'm built like this. Ain't no way that you can change me. Psycho bitches got me feeling crazy. Get these fake motherfuckers trying to play me on the daily. But the chance is real slim. Cause you undercover shady, undercover hating. But try to be a man like me. Walk in my shoes and understand like me. Cause if I choose to refuse all these fakes in my pants. I see, don't get mad, just pass my weed, cause I can't breathe. Yeah. It's just me, myself, and I. Solo ride until I die, cause I got me for life. Got me for life. Yeah. I don't need a hand to hold, even when the night is cold. I got that fire in my soul.